We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. When God rescues you and me, he gives us massive, massive purpose. And this is, this is part of it. Isaiah 61.4. God is talking about us. They, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. He's talking about you and me as those who've been restored in our mission. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated, devastated for generations. So June 17 of 2015, you may remember this from the news. It was during a Bible study at the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, North Carolina, that a white man who was visiting that Bible study started shooting, killing nine African-Americans, including their senior pastor and also a state senator, Clementa Pinckney. One week after that shooting, 150 of our brothers and sisters came together in that same room, and Pastor Norvell Goff Sr. said, This territory belongs to God. Dark powers came over Mother Emmanuel, but that's all right. God, in his infinite wisdom, said, That's all right. I've got the nine. People shouted, Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Amen. And come on. Halfway through the meeting, the family of Myra Thompson, one of the shooting victims, showed up. Nine of them in all. They sat down right in the front row, and that's when Pastor Goff said, God is with us. God is with you, pointing to that family. And God gives us the ability to let it go. We are better than that. This is not the end. We will see our loved ones again. God can heal us all. And that was a great moment in American history the week after that shooting in that church when we saw the power of forgiveness, the power of the gospel, the power of knowing that we live in light of the resurrection and that despair and evil and injustice doesn't get the last word. So fast forward to the seventh anniversary of that shooting. This past June was the seventh anniversary. Maverick City Music members Chandler Moore and Brandon Lake alongside Kirk Franklin and maybe 30 other believers of every color set up in that sanctuary of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston to sing Fear Is Not My Future. And I watched that and it was just... It was so moving. I know you watched it as well, Shauna. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. It's 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 a long version. I don't know if you said it's like 18 minutes long, 18 mm-hmm. plus minutes long. So it takes some time. But I was so moved by God as I watched it. I felt like I felt like it was there was something for me in it mm-hmm. that the Lord was speaking directly to my heart about letting go of identity that I'd held on to from the past, you know, just the things that we let define us. Yeah. So it was big. Yeah. Fear is not my future. You are. Sickness is not my future. You are, you know, we do take on these things. Like I think my daughter would be okay with me sharing this. In fact, I, I shared about this video with her and she went and watched it and texted me back. She said, wow. That video was pure fire. Mm-hmm. Loved it. All I could think was yes 
to all of it. Yeah. And, you know, she, she was telling me yesterday about, you know, sometimes I just say I'm broken, I'm broken. And her fiance says, Kaylee, you're not broken. You're not broken. So, you know, there's reality that there's, there's brokenness in us. But I think sometimes when, when I say stuff like that, I'm, I'm naming an identity, you know, Mm -hmm. that's me. Right. You know, and that isn't me. I am the Lord's beloved. You know, it's like, there's this magnetic pull to look everywhere, but God, you know what I mean? We look at ourselves. We, we introspectively look deep inside. Mm. We look at our circumstances and all the while God's just saying, Hey, look at me. And, and that's what that song did for me because the lyrics of the song, you know, fear is not my future. You are, um, death is not the end. Mm. You are heartbreak is not my home. Mm. You are, it's mm-hmm. just refix our gaze on him. Yeah. And as I watched it <laughs> for the first time, I think it was last Friday, I cried and the Holy Spirit said to my heart, something I'm still trying to fully grasp. I think I have some ideas, but I just, he said to my heart, dance in the places of desolation. I think that's what God's people, that is our massive mission in this world. This is a devastated world. This is a desolate world. This is a broken world. This is a messy, chaotic world because of our sin and the fall and the way we're destroying things. But but the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus brought the kingdom to earth and he poured out his Holy Spirit into us to bring the kingdom to the world. And so we have a mission. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And so I want to share this song, Fear is Not My Future. And I think that God wants to speak to you through it. And that I just encourage you to ask, Lord, what does it look like for me in my world, in my family, whatever, in my school, in my workplace? What does it look like to dance in the places of desolation? What does it look like to bring the kingdom into the chaos? And so, yeah, God, speak to us. Well, anxiety is just a part of life, and I think we all deal with anxiety at varying levels. I've got a lot of anxiety in my past and dealt with it pretty severely. And last week, I woke up feeling super anxious. But here's the thing about anxiety is it doesn't announce itself like, you're anxious, I'm anxiety, hello, good morning. It shows up in all these kind of under-the-radar ways, and then you have to identify it. So... One day last week, I wake up and um, I'm getting ready and I put on my first outfit and I'm like, this is way too warm. I can't wear this today. And so I switch out to something cooler and then I'm like, this is not going to be warm enough. I need to switch out of this. And then I was like, well, I'll wear that sweater. That'll be perfect. It's mid-range, you know. So I put on that sweater and I'm like, that doesn't work with these jeans. And it was just this crazy, chaotic kind of snowball of... I don't know. And it was so annoying. And I'm just like, what is going on? And I mean, it was, I'm just going to be honest with you. It was like 30 minutes of this, 30 minutes of chaos, of stupidity. And it made no sense at all. So I finally got to the point where I asked the question, what is going on here? And the Holy Spirit answered me. 
praise God, because he's with us all the time. And so if you ask him a question, he will answer you. And he'd revealed to me that it was anxiety. And I was like, okay, so why am I so anxious? So anyway, settled on an appropriate outfit for the day and went and just sat down and spent some time with the Lord to talk to him about what was going on in in my inner world and why I was feeling so anxious. And in his goodness, like he always does, without any judgment, he just like gently let me know that I was feeling anxious about the day because there was something that was going to happen that day and that I had put all my hopes in, you know, all my eggs in this basket. Like, man, if this goes well, this could really be a game changer. Like this could, you know, significantly shift things for the better. And so I was all anxious and I was all worked up about it. And, and maybe that is true, you know, but God in his kindness was like, Shauna, that's not where you're going to find the peace you're looking for. It's not found in how that goes down today. It's found in me. This had nothing to do with the lottery, I'm thinking. No, it didn't have anything to do with it. I've actually never bought a lottery ticket. Me neither. I don't know how. I don't know where. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> anyway, it had nothing to do with the lottery, but I felt, you know, God was revealing to me that basically I was putting, I was hoping for peace to come out of these circumstances instead of trusting peace to come from him, even if the circumstances don't change. That's what he called me out on. But even to go a little bit deeper than that, he called me out on the fact that this is a habit for me. Like this wasn't just a this one event where this was going on, but I tend to do this in my life. Like when when my babies were little and I wasn't getting any sleep during the night, I was like, okay, when they are sleeping through the night, you know, that's when ah, everything's going to be as it should be and my world is going to be perfect. Or, you know, when... We don't have naps to worry about anymore. When they're all out of car seats, when, you know, just fill in the blank, like whatever it is that you think, if this happens, that's the magic bullet and everything's going to be great if that can just happen. That's what was going on last week. And that's what I regularly do. And Jesus, like, in his kindness was saying, I'm right here. I know you're seeking peace. I know you want peace. And that's good. I do too. (laughs) but I am the peace that you're longing for. So when anxiety shows up in your life, however anxiety shows up in your life, first of all, we got to identify it and call it what it is, right? And then have the conversation with Jesus. So if you're anxious about work, go to Jesus. If you're worried about a relationship, talk to Jesus. If you don't know what to do, with your finances, if you're if you're overwhelmed with the work situation, trying to find a job, you're supposed to move or you're not supposed to move or you're supposed to stay. There's just stuff that's causing you to feel anxious. Talk to Jesus about it. If you just got a really bad diagnosis and it's thrown your life into a spin, man, just just pour out your heart to Jesus and with a friend. I tell I got to tell you, I have a friend who got a sudden diagnosis of brain cancer, immediately went out of state and had a surgery to have the tumor removed. Everything went so well. Anyway, she's in a battle now with the insurance. The insurance is saying we're not covering any of this. It's a redonkulous amount of money. And I just recently talked to her, and in she wasn't just trying to convince herself. She had me convinced when I asked her how she was doing that she said, it's going to be okay. Hmm. It's going to be okay. 
And I'm just like, what? That's a deeply rooted person in God. In God. Not in circumstance, but in right. God. Not in circumstances, but in God himself. And we can experience that kind of peace. I felt a peace come over me when I had that conversation with the Lord last week, you know, and it just completely changed my, the way in which I went into the day because I was like, you know what? It doesn't have to go the way that I want it to go. I don't have to manipulate it. I don't have to try to muscle my will through this thing. Like I can just enter into the day with God and it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. We can learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. That's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Our God is good and he's kind and he's gentle and he's present and he loves us and he is all we need. He is the peace we need. If something is weighing heavy on you today, talk to Jesus. As a boy, I desperately wanted to know that I would be with God forever. I wasn't sure. I didn't know how to become sure. I had asked Jesus to come into my life, but nothing happened. It didn't seem like anything happened, so I still wasn't sure. But on the playground in fifth grade, after talking with my buddy Lenny Melberg, who was a sixth grader at the time, the Holy Spirit just flooded my heart with his love and gave me a taste of heaven. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I'd be with God forever. I was 10 years old. And it was before I had really done anything good or bad. 99% of my sins were still ahead of me. And many of those would be in my teenage years as I would fail miserably and create deep wounds of shame. And I was sharing this story the other day, just this week. And Shauna, you said something to me and I had never really thought of it that way. And I know you remember what you said. Yeah, I just said, you know, maybe Jesus came into your life at 10 years old so that he could be with you through through those hard teenage years. You know, it was just, I don't know, kind of a passing comment, but it really hit me deep in my heart because I've never really thought about that before. I've always thought, why didn't I move forward from that day in fifth grade and just really start growing in Jesus and make an impact for him as a teenager, you know, in junior high and high school And so it's been more of a regret that I didn't start making progress until I got to college. But now I have a new piece of my story, thanks to you, Shauna. The Lord came into my life to be with me in my greatest failures. And isn't that the Lord? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, can I just say, like, how cool is it that God, you know, wouldn't say, I'm going to come later so I don't have to deal with all of that. I, you know what I mean? Which yeah. could have been, which could have been the take. Um, I was having a conversation with a, a parent who, whose kids all went away um, to school, off to boarding school during their high school years. And, you know, anyway, we were having a conversation about, about schooling and education. And she was like, yeah, I just didn't want to deal with them as teenagers at all. So sent them off to boarding school and then let them get through the hard stuff and then they can come back home and we can carry on, you know? And I just think that, that Jesus's heart for us is I want to be there 
for you. I want to be there with you. I don't want to try, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to come back to me when you got it all cleaned up. That's never been his message to us. Like figure yourself out, pull yourself together Mm. and then we can spend some time together. Yeah. That's the good news. That's Jesus. It's Jesus is opposite of what somebody in the world would do. Mm -hmm. You know, like this person that sent their kids off to boarding school that that's not Jesus. And that's not I have to say this because that's not some people send their kids off to boarding school and that is not at all their motivation behind it. So sure. just disclaimer there. This was just a specific conversation with one person and her circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus came into my life to walk with me through it. You know, I'm going to hold on to that. He was with me in my worst moments. Unbelievably not condemning me. He should have, but he didn't actually holding my hand, holding my sinful hands, getting me through it, making sure that I got through it and making sure that the pain would turn into good things that would help others. Because I just draw from those years and how Jesus has shown me grace since it's been a a fuel for my life. And yeah, this is really helpful for me because some of my most difficult years are not decades ago. They're more recent. (laughs) And so it's helpful for me to hear you talk about perspective with time, you know, and how God does take the hard stuff, the really, really hard stuff and, and use it for good. It, it plants seeds of hope in my heart to hear you say that, that maybe the really hard things that I have been through recently or something that, you know, is God has plans for, for good. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the message for, for you and me this morning is that Jesus is in our lives. So this is simple, but sometimes we need Sunday school simple, right? Right. Jesus has come into our lives to be with us through our hardest things, through our greatest failures, through, you know, that diagnosis you didn't expect, but he he came into our lives to be with us in the mess. Yes, he wants to make us more like him, Mm -hmm. but he makes us more like him by showing up and revealing his love to us in our mess, in our hardship, in our difficulties. If you are like right now, if you're just, if you're wrestling with addiction, maybe you just, you can't seem to shake porn and you're like, I can't just go and be with Jesus if I just spent time in pornography or whatever the case may be. Like, Jesus wants to meet you in the moment you're in. Whatever your circumstances are right now that make you feel like you want to pull as far away or run as far away from him as possible is the very reason that he wants you to turn to him today. Hmm. So, Jesus, we hear, we hear your message of grace. We hear the upside-down story that you don't wait for us to clean ourselves up to show yourself to us. You come to us even before we've messed things up. And you are just the God who keeps blowing away our expectations and our views of what God is like. And so, Lord, thank you. We just receive, give us hearts that will be sponges of your grace, that we won't be full of self-hatred and and self-pity, and anger, and regret, and remorse, but that, Lord, we will be set free, even in this moment, a little bit more, because of your great grace. There are so many blessings that are available to us when we live in the spiritual reality of the nearness of God. 
but we're so prone to forget. I, I like to call it spiritual amnesia. I just, I know the truths that I've learned about who God is and that he's right here right now, but I just tend to forget them and I need to be reminded on a regular basis. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I hear this verse and I'm a doer. So my mind just immediately goes to the part where it says, let your gentleness be known, you know, let it be evident. So I think, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after being gentle. I'm going to try harder to be more gentle. But that's actually not what the verse is saying. It's not encouraging us to try harder to produce the fruit of the spirit, but rather to understand a spiritual reality that already exists, that if we grasp it, And if we live like it's actually true, it will produce spiritual fruit in our lives. And the truth is, the Lord is near. That's the part we need to focus on, not the let your gentleness be evident to all, but the Lord is near. And I'm reading this book right now called um, The Practice Practice of the Presence of God. And it's about a 17th century Christian known as Brother Lawrence. And I I just want to read you a little kind of excerpt from this book. It says he had found such blessing in walking in the presence of God that it was natural for him to share his practice earnestly with others. But his example was a stronger inducement than any argument that he could voice. Even his countenance was edifying. There was such a sweet and calm spirit about him that it could not but affect those who met him. It was observed that even in the midst of the greatest bustle of kitchen work, because he was a He worked in the kitchen at this monastery that he lived at. Mm -hmm. He preserved his composure and heavenly mindedness, even in the midst of the greatest bustle of kitchen work. He was never hurried or loitering. He did everything in its season with an even uninterrupted composure and tranquility of spirit. The time of work, he said, is not different for me than the time of prayer. In the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several people are calling out at the same time for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. I'm just, I'm so, this is my heart's desire, and I'm so blown away by this reality that we, can, we can't accomplish gentleness by trying to muster up gentleness, but we can actually bear gentleness as a fruit by not trying harder, but just drawing nearer. <laughs> And I love that, you know, Brother Lawrence didn't, wasn't born this way. You know, he wasn't born this way and he just, he's such a holy guy and he just does it all well and does it right. And it's a beautiful thing. And he's always been that way, but he had to learn this just so, so this isn't out of reach for me. There was a time when he didn't get this. He didn't, you know, have that peace all the time, but he, but he just leaned into relying on God and and God produced the fruit in his life so that he could be he could be at peace in the middle of the storm. Now, if he would have been in the boat with the disciples and they were freaking out because Jesus was sleeping, you know, br- the brother Lawrence that learned how to practice the presence of God would have would have been probably sleeping with Jesus. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. He yeah. was probably napping alongside him, yeah, you know, yeah. in the boat like they were just relaxing and Wouldn't that be awesome? Knowing Jesus has got me. He's got this. Yeah, just greater awareness of his presence changes changes us. And I just find myself striving a lot for the fruit, you know, trying to produce the fruit instead of focusing on the nearness of God. Yesterday, I wasn't feeling so gentle, and I found myself just trying, okay, just be gentle, have a gentle spirit, you know, and then I realized how stupid that was <laughs> because I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to get there on my own. But instead, then I reminded myself of how near God is, that he's with us. He's with you 
right now, where you are, he is with you. And the more we realize how true that is, I think the more that we actually have a gentle spirit, Mm. even in the midst of the chaos, like Brother Lawrence had, our gentleness can be evident to all. The Lord is near. I'm sure you've heard this before, but we have a, a saying at our church and just a strong belief, a kind of a mantra, if you will, that prayer changes things. We've got bracelets that say it. We hand them out everywhere we go. Prayer does change things. But what I've experienced in my own life is prayer changes me. So often I'm, I'm praying about my circumstances, right? Like, Lord, change this and change them and yada, yada. But when we, when we open up with the Lord and we start having conversations with the Lord about what's going on, he changes us. I'm, I'm curious if you believe that to be true, if you believe that prayer changes things. Mm. Because if you do, then you should be really careful what you pray for. If you believe it's that powerful, put some deep thought into what you say to the Lord and what you ask him for. Psalm 19:14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I got to tell you, this verse came across my path yesterday and I was like, ooh, Sometimes my words aren't pleasing to God. I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but I have a tendency to say things and then want to take it back, you know, wish that I hadn't said it. And usually, you know, immediately I'm aware that, ooh, I'm guessing God didn't like that so much. That wasn't very Jesus-like of me. And I want to do better. I really do. But I think that even more so than my words, I got trouble with the meditation of my heart. And this is what it looks like for me. Usually when I've been hurt or I've been offended, I'm thinking specifically of a time that we lived in Arizona and my son, my kids were little and Drayson, he was like two and he had that favorite sweatshirt. You know what I mean? It was like, he just wanted to wear that sweatshirt every day of his life. I had to strip it off of him, you know, wrestle him down to be able to wash it and then just put it right back on him when it came out of the dryer. He just loved this sweatshirt. Well, we lived in Arizona. It was like, 115 degrees outside and Dre wanted to wear his favorite sweatshirt. He was two years old and I got a lot of battles I need to fight in my life. And this just didn't seem like one of them. I thought, here's the deal. We're going to go to Walmart and it's going to be cold in there. I'm always cold in Walmart. So no big deal. The kid wears his sweatshirt. I actually didn't let him put it on until we got in the store, but then he wears his sweatshirt. So we get to the car and I'm getting my kids all buckled in the minivan. And all of a sudden there's a man like in between the car next to me in my van. That is not a space you can enter into. If that's not your car, you don't belong there. I'm just saying that was just, yeah, up in my business. And there's a man standing there and he goes, I was one because I was taking Drayson's sweatshirt off before I put him in the car seat. Mm-hmm. He goes, I was wondering when you were going to take that sweatshirt off that boy, I've been following you through Walmart. Oh my gosh. I'm concerned about that boy because it is hot outside and you got this sweatshirt on your boy. And I just was stumped in the moment. I was just like mouth hanging open, like fearful. First of all, I was ready to throw elbows if I had to, because I didn't know why this guy was getting all close to my car and wanted my kids to be safe. I was getting all mama bearish. But anyway, I get them all strapped in and he, I said nothing. He just said his two pieces, you know, his two cents about my son wearing the sweatshirt and then I shut the doors and I lock the doors and I'm driving home and I'm thinking through all what I should have said, you know, what my, what my comebacks should have been. And this is very much my MO. Okay. I can think of one comeback. What? Are you going to share a comeback? No, I got nothing. Okay. I would have said, uh, well, I've got the hindsight of how many years, but I could, I would have said, thank you very much, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very good. I think this might have been pre-Captain America. I'm not sure. But anyway, it was, I didn't have the comeback at the moment. But what I tend to do when something like that happens is think about it over and over and over again. I think about what I should have said. But when we do that, when we ruminate on that negative experience and we just keep being offended over and over and over again, all the toxins that got released when we first had the negative experience, just keep releasing, you know, just on repeat over and over. Yeah. Isn't this such a human thing? Just continuing to relive bad experiences. It's like self-abusive, honestly. It's self-hatred. Yeah. So anyway, I I realize when I was reading this verse yesterday that definitely the meditation of my heart can be on some negative loops, though I'm trying to find some, you know, really slick comeback for whatever went down. There's nothing helpful about it. There's nothing good about reliving a negative experience over and over and over again. So back to the whole conversation about prayer being powerful. It changes things. It changes us. If that's true... We do. We need to be careful about what we pray for. And this is my suggestion for a prayer for today. I'm going to pray this today. I'm going to invite you to join me in praying this. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.